This is Psychotherapy. I'm Jet Dunlap, and this is episode 16. This episode starts a little off, as most of them do, but it seems like it's going in a little bit of a sad direction, but you're just getting my energy at the moment. I'm feeling a lot better, as usual, after talking it out with you, because you are a great listener. Episode 16 talks about forgiveness. That's not how I started going into it, but that's what it was about. And it talks about the Great Sandcastle. What Great Sandcastle? The Great Sandcastle, you silly goose. The one that's been going on in my family for 43 years, and it was my 40th year at this Great Sandcastle, and this year, the Sandcastle was truly great. That's how the Sandcastle talks if it could. You devilish Sandcastle, you. So maybe it'll touch your inner Sandcastle. That sounds dirty. It didn't mean to be. It didn't mean to be. I didn't mean to be. It can't be anything. It is words. Do my words have human form? They don't. I am Jet Dunlap, and clearly this is psychotherapy. Episode 16 starts right after I'm finished with this pause. Watershed moment. My watershed moment was last year, 2018, in October, November. When my wife and I were working our hands to the bone in the backyard of my grandparents' house, rebuilding their back patio area, a task that we had avoided like the plague for a very long time because, just like anyone's family, we knew there'd be sensitivities. Somehow or another, someone's always being screwed over, even when it's volunteering to do something that the only thing you get out of it is the potential joy of the people you love. Well, in this case, there was a fallout. There was a fallout in a way that neither myself or my wife could have seen, and it was so traumatic that it made me question the most steady thing that had existed in my life since I remember. So my earliest memory till that moment, which was family. In specific, my mother's family, the Karlstrom family. When this violent act against my wife and I occurred, it made me rethink a lot of things that I thought of as foundational parts of my existence, my social DNA. And I came away from it, we came away from it, my wife and I, devastated, but I came away from it specifically thinking, have I devoted too much time and energy to my family? Don't worry, this is not an episode where I talk about that being the correct answer. That would be miserable, right? Family's the worst and friends don't get me started. No. So I thought, is one of the problems, is one of the reasons I haven't reached what I'm trying to do is that just like when I left my corporate job, now I've left my corporate job. 10 years ago this week, I said goodbye to the W2. I said goodbye to the rat race. And uh, I can't help because I have ADD, but think of real rats racing and how amusing that would be in a little path. No. Maze. Yes, maze. In any event, so I left the rat race and I did it because I didn't like the um, negativity. I didn't like the rumors. I didn't like the you have to hate this guy to like me. I didn't like the idea of he said, she said. And then when I had this impasse with my, I shouldn't say my family, it wasn't my family. Uh, It was one person and it was the alliances that naturally formed, that I believe to be alliances that naturally formed, and I guess some of them did, that offended me so deeply. In a year that was pretty rough, this was the icing on the cake. So what it did is it made me think, do I need family? Is family a negative thing? Is family just like 
my corporate job? Is it a another thing that is toxic I have to worry about when I go to see my family in specific going to my grandparents' house, big family. My mom is one of nine brothers and sisters. I have 16 cousins, Italian family. And um, are we not talking to this person? Are we talking too much trash about this person? Is someone saying, I love this person, and then afterwards, oh, I don't love this person. Now, you should know, no one talks more trash than I do. So, uh, I am not, I am not the angel in this situation. However, after this experience, I thought, is this another version of corporate America? Is this something toxic in my life that is preventing me from my most authentic self? That's not meant to be derogatory. It is derogatory in my head, but that's the old me, the old masculine archetype BS that plays through my head. So I apologize. He'll pop up every once in a while, like a whack-a-mole. And I have to whack said mole. So that sounded like I was doing like some kind of, to whack said mole, I'm Ira Glass. Sounded like I was doing some kind of NPR thing. So here I am, tradition, tradition in my face. We just got done with my 40th Sandcastle. Sandcastle Sunday started in 1977 by a group of my family members, my mom's brothers and sisters, a tradition that happens on the first Sunday of August every year since 1977. This was my 40th, being that I was born in 1979. When I was two and a half weeks old, I went to the sandcastle taken by my mother. I don't remember it because that's how memory works. But after this incident that happened last year, I had a lot of deep hatred and a lot of I thought this sanctuary, the only place where I knew I was safe from, again, my first memory, was taken away from me. And I was kind of calm about it. You know, maybe in years past it would have been earth-shattering, but I have a rock-solid relationship with my wife. And if you've heard one of these episodes, you know that's the case. And that is not lip service. Come over, meet us. Don't sit down with us and have dinner, because I don't like that, and I don't know you, you creep. But... If you were to do that, you'd see that this is not just me trying to sell you the magazine of Jet and Gina that doesn't exist yet, but uh, that we are extremely successful in our relationship. Successful in our relationship, that's hilarious, as if it can be won or lost. We do work at it, and it is great. So because of that relationship I have with my wife, not all was not lost. Devastation did not occur. I have to flash forward at this point to why I extended the olive branch when I was 100% positive that I would die with this vendetta against a person who attacked myself and my wife. On my grandfather's deathbed, and I've started this conversation before, yes, he had a deathbed. This is not hyperbole. He died in a bed in his house surrounded by his family. I mean, wow, the stuff of storybooks. I said it then, and I'll say it again. It was surreal. You know, if you ever feel like you're living in a dream or a movie or this is the Matrix, that was one of those moments because this is how he would have died. And he would have put it this way, if you have to die, which is very him, that's a good way to do it. When I came in and sat down with my wife's arm on my left shoulder, hand on my left shoulder actually, and my grandmother holding my right arm, her soft, cold, not cold in a bad way, but her soft skin on my hand, not cold, like, I mean, you know, it was cold. It was cold that day. It was cold. I'm just talking about tactile sensation. I was trying to be like, I guess, author-like, and I'm not good enough. So my grandmother's hand on my hand. I'm talking to my grandfather because my grandmother says she, well, she says that my grandfather has some words for me. And he says, how proud he is of me. I've said this before, and I've joked that I'm positive that he didn't say to anyone, you know what? 
I'm not proud of you because you suck. And then he died and he left that with someone. He didn't. He was a great man and he bestowed his wisdom and love on everyone before his passing, I assume. What he said to me was, you would be beyond a saint if you forgave this person. And I'm quoting him because I would never, if you know me or you have gotten to know me through this show, you would know that I wouldn't lie about someone this important to me. I've probably mentioned him in either every episode or every other episode. He said, when I wake in the morning, I say, forgive me my trespasses and forgive those who trespass against me. And he said, and this part I'm going to sum up, basically, for this family to continue, for things to be what he would like as far as a legacy, it was going to fall on me to be the bigger person. And I don't even like saying that because that makes it seem that I did something noble, which I don't believe I did. I did what I should have done at the beginning, but I needed the wisdom of someone far more advanced spiritually, mentally, and emotionally than myself to tell me. At the time, I was whirling with so many emotions that I said, okay. And I thought, what a horrible thing to have be the last conversation with my grandfather. Him talking to me about this thing that is a thorn in my side. The next day, the day after he passed, I texted that person who had done harm to myself and my wife, unprovoked harm, when we were doing something generous. I don't believe that no one, no good deed goes unpunished. I think that's BS. I don't believe I'm unlucky, even though some may think so. I think all of that is attitude. A lot of the reason I'm so positive is because of this man. This episode is not just going to be about this, so hang with me because, as usual, this will pivot into something far different. So the next day, I forgave this person. Now, I didn't say I forgave this person. I texted this person, and my hands moved independently of my thought process. And the words that I put down are the words that my grandfather expressed through me. If you think I'm crazy, you wouldn't be alone. As a matter of fact, that's the title of this podcast. Boom. That just happened. But that is what happened to me. The person who I texted responded almost immediately in kind. Now, I was going to wait forever for this person to apologize because they were the, well, they were the bad person in the situation. My vocabulary is not there right now, so you'll have to forgive me, but you get the gist. So I texted this thing and then flash forward after at my grandfather's funeral, I went over and gave this person a huge hug and kiss. And again, I was not pretending I had lost the ability and have still no access to vengeance, no access to a vendetta or a grudge today. It reminds me of things like when Eckhart Tolle, in his book, The Power Now, talked about after he had Satori. Satori is a burst of enlightenment, that he lost the sensation of that original energy. I've had this happen to me twice in my life too, but that's another episode. But he maintained this stillness, and that is what's happened to me since. It's now August, and this happened in May, and I still have that stillness that my grandfather gave to me, which is, I don't harbor any grudges to any individual. And I've said that before, but I think I'm telling you a little more of the texture of that. But this is about tradition. 
and my 40th year of the Great Sandcastle. Yesterday was the Great Sandcastle. It was Sunday, Sandcastle Sunday. I already told you where it is and when it is. I didn't tell you where. It's Santa Monica, Lifeguard Station 13. You should come next year. Say hi. Hey, Psycho Jet. Psycho Jet. Um, That's if this was a radio show. Hi, I'm Psycho Jet. (laughs) That's horrible. My wife's probably not going to like that part. I always have her review this. And that wasn't, I wasn't like trained to deliberately be funny. I just thought that wasn't, anyway, sorry, sorry, sweetie. Um, I don't call her sweetie. I don't know why I call her that on this. Uh, Sorry, Gina. In any event, I have been in charge of digging the sandcastle for a lot of years. Any guess I'd have is uh, going to be flattering towards me, but I'm going to say probably somewhere around my eighth or ninth year um, of human life, I was digging with my uncles who were, you know, totally badass and at the time probably in college and were really strong and we built this sandcastle with shovels. It's huge. I mean, it's it's like a ma- I mean, I, I won't put it in the show notes again, but if you follow me on Instagram or Facebook or anything like that, you'll see the pictures. Um, go to August. It's, a, it's massive. So they dig it and they build it. And when I was a kid, the first thing I really wanted as far as aspirational, was that I wanted to be a part of the people who built the sandcastle. They were so cool. They got to create this massive mountain of sand, which now I'm making the connection. You know how much I love mountains, so building one uh, is definitely something significant to me. And digging, which is a weird thing to say, is a huge part of my life, but digging is a huge part of my life. It's how I built my house. It's something I've done forever. It's, It's very... You're going to have to get to know me a little bit longer to know that digging is a big part of who Jet Dunlap is, metaphorically and, uh, you know, in actuality and literally. So my brother had a friend come to the Great Sandcastle yesterday, and he said, wow, what an incredible tradition. And then a friend of my cousin, Alexandra, came over to me and talked to me about how incredible this tradition was and how rare it is. And yesterday, when I was done harassing and yelling at the people to get the sandcastle built, which is something I've been doing for about 20 years, uh, even in the times when there was only like three of us, you know, (laughs) shoveling sand in the morning out here at Santa Monica, turns out not everyone wants to go to the beach after a giant party that occurs at Saturday night um, with my family at like 8 or 9 a.m. But this year was incredible, and there were so many people, and I actually got to look at it From a standpoint, and maybe I don't deserve all this pride, but from a standpoint of someone who's built a company or I guess a family or something like that, and I saw it being built through my lens, my camera, and I was watching the bucket brigade, which is we take this line of people, they pass the buckets to another person, to another person, like a human conveyor belt, and they put it on the top of the sandcastle to make sure the sandcastle doesn't get dry so you can carve into it and make all those beautiful designs. And I was looking at it, and I'm like, all of this stuff is working in spite of my yelling at people. Because there was a lot of years where I had to yell and scream and get people to get involved to make it happen. Again, this may be more glamorous in my memory than in actuality, but that's how I remember it. And I thought how amazing it is that it still exists. And that it's so successful. As a silly sandcastle thing, but an incredible tradition. And this episode is about why tradition is important. Well, someone who is absent from this emotionally, because he didn't go to the sandcastle probably for about 10 years because my grandfather was not a huge fan of sand. I am neither. Uh, or I am also not a hand. A hand? I'm not a hand. I'm a human. I have two hands. I am also not a fan of sand. Um, but he wasn't there because he's no longer with us physically. But I felt more pride this year because of that. Because I told my grandfather and grandmother probably about seven or eight years ago, maybe 10, at one of our traditional Christmas Eve dinners, 
that I would not let any of this stuff stop. And when this horrible fallout happened last year, I didn't go to Christmas or Christmas Eve, the first year ever. And I thought, well, I'll let it stop. As a matter of fact, I believe that my lack of presence, being the oldest of 16 grandchildren, cousins, I could actually have an effect on the sandcastle. Not, not immediately. You know, I think it would still go on. And I'm not saying that it wouldn't go on forever in spite of me. It would be my ego that would think that it wouldn't. But I was going to take whatever energy I brought and remove it as punishment for my feeling of not being backed by my family. Since then, I realize I'm an idiot and that all of that thinking was false, ridiculous, and egoic. However, that's how I felt at the time. And to say I didn't would be a lie to paint pictures that are prettier than they really were. So I was there this year, and it was incredible, and it meant more to me than ever. Like I had said 10 years ago or something, I told my grandfather and grandmother this wouldn't stop. My grandfather died in May, and it didn't stop. And when, in May, he was buried, I went over to the, uh, God, grave diggers, that's a thing, or grave, I mean, coffin putter enters. Um, and I said, I need to throw some sand on my grandfather's grave. And of course, they were resistant. Well, I guess not, of course. I've gone to funerals recently where that wasn't a problem, but here there was a problem. And I said, but I need to shovel some sand onto my grandfather's grave. I grabbed the shovel, and I put my hand up in the air, and I gave the traditional sandcastle salute. Oi, 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 haruspacy. If you don't know what that means, you're not alone. Find someone whose last name is Karlstrom, who lives in the L.A. or Bay Area, and ask them what oi, 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 haruspacy means. It's a chant. It's our yell. And I said, I'm doing this to let Patton know this doesn't die with him. I didn't just get choked up. I choked. But that was just on word lubrication. I thought that sounded better than spit. It doesn't. And I said that at my grandfather's grave. Wow, what a reductive thing I just said. Not reductive. I don't know language very well. I'm dyslexic and I have ADD. And I say words often that my wife is so nice to not call me on all the time. But she's like, that word does not mean what you think that word means. Um, To quote Princess Bride. And so I apologize, but you get the gist of my energy, right? That's how it is. That's all that matters, right? In, in my head, I have to say that. But what a stupid thing to go from that to talking about my, my word moisture. Word moisture, not a sponsor. So I told my grandfather when we were burying him that I didn't, I mean, he wasn't really there, obviously. We didn't bury him alive. What kind of monsters do you think we are? But I said to my family, you know, this won't die with him. And it didn't. There it was. And I was about to say something that I almost removed from this because I thought it would sound kooky, but I think he's proud of that. I don't know that it's in specific to me. It probably isn't. But I feel his pride in my heart. And uh, I think he cares that it keeps going. So why is it important? I think tradition, very well illustrated in this story, is the middle finger at mortality. Now, I embrace mortality. There's a lot of jerks out there, and they deserve to die. It's a shame that great people don't live longer just based on their greatness, but I didn't set up the setup, so what am I going to do? But it is. There have been many people who have gone to this and are no longer here, but the tradition stands. Now, your state has traditions, your government has traditions, your work, all this stuff. But family traditions, they are held together by love. Or I guess hatred, but they're both very extreme uh, emotions. This one's held together by love. In spite of infighting, humans being around humans who know other humans who've known each other for a long time, there will be disputes. 
But this one's gone on 43 years, and that is special. And that's what I felt all day today. I'm getting ready for a big trip my wife and I are taking up to Mammoth Mountain. We go camping for about three weeks. And normally that's all-consuming. After Sandcastle, I go straight into camping mode. This is when we do it every year in August. But I can't stop thinking about how incredible my cousins are. They're all older now in their mid to late 20s and just that they've kept this going. I feel guilty about having pride because I try and stay so grounded and humble. Even though if you met me, you may not know that, but my external self a lot of times is deliberate. Um, I don't know. Is that true? If it is deliberate, it's not malicious or delicious. I feel guilty being proud because I always feel that pride means that you have taken part in the success of something. I did not take part in the success of my cousins. Their parents did. And, uh, I guess it takes a village as Hillary said, but, uh, I just saw them all there with this energy and this love for this thing at the age they are that I've had since I first saw it in 1979. And it just, it just blew me away, man. And non-mans, women's. And it was so cool. And it feels so incredible just to see that that continues and that we're bringing more people to this. I met my cousin's longtime girlfriend's brother. I met friends of my my brother. Now it just seems like I'm saying brothers. No, my cousin Al too, she brought a guy and he was awesome. It's just so cool to see things. I mean, I think that a person like me who is so, and, and don't think of this as negative, it's just the case in my life. A person who's so used to tough times and tough things, to see things just go well, just feels incredible. And I don't want you to have that make you sad. I've heard before some of my episodes are sad. So the fact that I haven't had things go well in the way we understand as humans what is positive and negative, because again, I said before, we didn't set up the setup. So what I may think is negative is not. But I've had a lot of toughness and a lot of you know, tough times, including what happened over last year and, you know, even family members, the stuff that I thought was completely steady. We had that fallout. Everything's good now. But I've had a lot of that stuff. And you know, of, re- of late, a lot of deaths around my friends and family. But I don't want you to feel sorry for me. And I don't want you to feel bad because you're hearing from the guy who that is all changed for. When I first walked into my therapist's office, Steve Nelson, a guy who I no longer can get in touch with, but I know he had Alzheimer's and he had Uh, cancer. So he's probably passed, but the people I know who know him, God, I am depressing. Wow. I'm so sorry. Teddy bears, rainbows, uh, leave it to beaver. I keep thinking leave it to beaver, but I don't mean that. Not reading rainbow. What's the one rainbow bright? No, the one with the unicorns. What's the one with the unicorns? What is that? The unicorns and rainbows, the girls played with it. Not that that was just how it was, man. Don't call me sexist. What were those called? Those magical unicorns. Think of those. Light bright? Light bright's not the unicorns, you dummy. Anyway, think of those magical, beautiful unicorns. Uh, and not about the fact that maybe my therapist of 15 years and one of my last remaining mentors, up until this point, I'm sure I'll have ones in the future, but uh, is probably dead. But any event, when I first walked into his office, um, after he said, Jet, you were either homicidal or suicidal, so it's a good thing you met me. I was 17, but I knew that he wasn't wrong. You know, he wasn't. Anyway, he said that you can't change anything out there, but you can change everything inside. I just gave you a million dollars worth of insight, because if you sit down with any therapist or psychiatrist, they're going to tell you that. 
So why do I feel good right now in spite of what may look like externally to someone who has a charmed life as, oh my God, if I was Jed, I would jump off a cliff and shoot myself on the way down. Because I'm good inside, man. Because I'm good inside. And that's no lip service. I couldn't lie to you. Because why would I go into the basement of uh, the shop where I live and uh, talk into a microphone with lies? Remember, I have no sponsors. There's no one paying me for this. MeUndies, big sponsor of a lot of podcasts, not a sponsor of this podcast. My undies that I'm wearing are not a sponsor either. Neither is Lobstergram. That was a thing. I don't know if it is now, but when I used to listen to the radio, Lobstergram was a thing where you could send someone a lobster. I think you figured it out. I digress. So don't feel sorry for me. Feel good for me because everything inside has changed and now my external world is going great. And I don't think that it's because of me, but damn if it isn't. Things are just beautiful right now. I'm tired too, man. And I'm a little sniffly and I've been working in the sun all day. And yesterday when I was digging this sandcastle thing, I was working in the sun all day and physically I'm a little wired, but I feel great. And that's awesome. And tradition's important. Oh, look how he came around back to tradition so elegantly. Is that Stephen King? I'm now adjusting my fake glasses. Is that Robert Redford? Not Robert Redford, you dummy. Dummy? Dummy? Robert Frost, you jerkaloon. It's jerk and jagaloon together. I am not those people, clearly, by illustrated... Not by illustrated. Gosh, how much further do I need to prove to you that I am not an eloquent speaker of words? In any event, tradition's important. Family's important. Friends are important. I will tell you this one insight that friends are important, especially when they're in family. More insight from the psycho. You can have family that's not friends, but having family that's a friend, why, that is something special. But what is a friend that feels like family? That's just a friend plus time. He's like a brother to me. Why? Because you've known him for 20 years, working at the same place, seeing him more hours than you have your wife. That's family. Not definition-wise, but I'll take it. A lot of cultures celebrate people that are very close to them as family. I've had many times in this podcast where I've described people as my uncles, but they were really my cousins, or my grandfather who felt like a father to me because he was so insightful and occupies the best 80% of my thought process. Not my immediate thought process. My immediate thought process, that is occupied by a man named Mark Dunlap. And sometimes that thought process is fantastic. He's good to have in your head if sudden things happen that are either violent or catastrophic his response in my head is fantastic because he is great at that. But when it comes to insight, conversation, empathy, understanding, which are the same thing, pow, my grandfather, he is there too. So I have access to him if I give myself a little bit of time between stimulus and response. Yeah, I guess this is a little all over the place as it always is. And when I exit this episode, I never know what it was about or how it's going to be. And I unprepare for this before I go on, because if I do prepare, it sounds like it's prepared and it sounds like a radio show. And that's not what this is about. It's about me spilling my heart out into the world for you to take or not, and like or not, and share or not. You get the idea at this point that you don't have to. I don't think I'm going to edit this one. I think I'm just going to put it up in its raw form. What do you think of that? Boom! Another magic thing. The Great Sandcastle was great. 
this year and has been a great situation or not a situation. Now I want to edit, but I'm not going to. Has been a great thing in my life, this tradition. If you don't have a family tradition, I recommend you go out and get one. So go to familytradition.com. And I don't know what that is. It could be a porn site. Don't go there. Go to runthemountain.com where this podcast is held and I make zeros of dollars. And that's deliberate. But I had a special weekend and I met incredible people, new friends, old friends, lots of hugs, lots of smiles. And my grandmother, 88 years old, still as sharp as a whip. She was very happy too. So thank you for listening. If there's a lesson in this, you'll have to tell me what it is. But that's what this is all about. I almost said I love you again because I feel like we're having a very intimate conversation, but it is a little one-sided. If you know me, that's how most of my conversations are. I'm a grape listener in the sense that I don't listen because you can't be a grape listener. You have to be a great listener. Man, I need some rest or something. Anyway, this has been Jet Dunlap, and it will still be Jet Dunlap when I leave this microphone for me, but not for you. So thank you so much for listening. I really hope you got something out of this, and I will listen to it later to make sure there's no errors where, like, you know, the mic interrupts. Well, what am I talking about? Why am I telling you how I listen to this for technical issues? You don't care. Go about your business. Have a great week. God bless and Godspeed, and God darn it, I'll talk to you next time. Thanks a lot for listening.